welcome to this podcast from Adelaide Place Baptist Church. We are a community of disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who live and work in the city of Glasgow, and it's our vision to join God in the renewal of all things. Our discipleship to Jesus is for all of our lives, so as well as listening to this podcast, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning, or get involved in one of our missional communities, which are across the city throughout the week. Our prayer is that you encounter Jesus in some way through this podcast. More information can be found at apbc.net. Church, Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Leslie Rance. Uh, I live in Stirling with my lovely wife, Dudu. Uh, We've been coming to the church since the back end of 2018 when we moved to Scotland from South Africa. Um, I've previously worked um, in the corporate sector for over 25 years, largely with two um, global multinationals. I've had the wonderful privilege of living in some awesome countries, primarily in Africa. Uh, And these days I try and be more available to God's work, and uh, as well as being a partner at a strategy consulting firm, I sit on a couple of nonprofit boards, advise some startups and some growing companies. I hope you're all enjoying the series about on Mark at the moment. I was just saying to David the other day when we met up for coffee that I really appreciate the different platforms that we've got, uh, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, that really allow us to go back and catch up on some of the um sermons that we may have missed and i have missed a few on the day in question but have been able to go back and pick up on that but today i might touch on maybe one or two aspects about the book of mark but i've really been asked to talk about character and christian leadership leaning on some of my observations and experiences as a christian business leader but more importantly It's not really about what I have to say, um, but looking at what God says he expects and assures us of when we are in these roles. And so I'm not really qualified to preach, so apologies if this doesn't come across as a sermon, but I have been given some license to really just share about the goodness of God in my life's journey in the context of, of this conversation. So perhaps... Let me too all suggest, uh, say a word of prayer. Dear God, I thank you that we're fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. And as we explore this topic of character and Christian leadership, we know that we are sons and daughters of the most royal high God, a holy unblemished God who modeled both character and leadership for us here on earth through his son, Jesus Christ. But also the Lord that you left us this clearest and instruction leadership manual called the holy bible and a helper in the form of the holy spirit thank you that we don't get to navigate these complexities on our own but with you so help us hear what you've prepared for us today in jesus name amen so let i i want to talk about character what or who informs character whether our character matters, and if so, why. I also want to talk about leadership and who gets to lead. 
Um, and then I'll close around the conversation of, is there a difference between conventional leadership and Christian leadership? More importantly, should they be? And if there is, what does that look like or feel like? Now, there's lots of books that are written on this, and there's a lot of people who are more qualified to talk about this. But I really do want to share some of what I have experienced, uh, and, and hopefully um, it'll be relevant for all of us or some of us today. Let me start off by saying, who are we in this world? Be it to, to one another, to ourselves, but through our character. You see, our, our character is largely a visual or visible expression of the way we think, the way we feel, behave. It's sometimes also referred to as our personality. That, that visual expression to others over time, whether we like it or not, gives us a reputation. A sense to others of what they can expect to experience of us in the ordinary course of dealing with us. And I say ordinary because there are moments when we do things that others didn't expect. And in some cases, we didn't expect. And that's when people say, hey, that was a little out of character for Joe Bloggs to have done that this evening. But also let's bear in mind that it is said that our character is not only what people see um, or what is done when everybody's watching, but also what we know it to be when nobody is watching. And that's who we also know ourselves to be. But it is also who God knows us to be. My grandmother used to have this saying when we used to come back home, sometimes late in the evening, and she wasn't quite sure where we were, and she'd ask us what we were doing, and uh, we wouldn't quite be telling her the truth. She would say, what's done in the dark will come to the light. And uh, it sounded ominous, but you know, half the time it, it wasn't because we were doing things that were that ominous. But it does mean that invariably our characters are a combination of that which is seen, that which we know, and for sure that which God knows about us. And occasionally we surprise ourselves, for good or bad, we see elements of ourselves that even we didn't expect. And I'll go into a little bit about that going forward. Abraham Lincoln said, characters like a tree and reputations like a shadow. The shadow is what you think of it, and the tree is the real thing. So I kind of like that, because in some cases we get to hear about people's reputation before we meet them, and we start formulating ideas of who they are, hence the saying, your reputation precedes you. But it would be nice that in getting to know people, we not only rely on their reputation, but if we can, that we actually get to know their true character and see for ourselves, if not in a judging way, the reputation actually matches the character. But truth be told, it's not always advisable because sometimes a person's reputation is sufficient for us to exercise caution and to know that we do well to stay away. In fact, when I was in business, I'd be told, so-and-so is not a good person to do business with. And, and that would be true of dealing with people in any circumstance, business or otherwise. 
So, reputation is this thing that emanates from who people see us to be. And the world largely hangs its hat on that in their dealings with us. That's why also I was, you know, advised, protect your reputation. It's all you've got. Don't mess it up. This is what business leaders would tell me as I was growing up in the corporate world. Don't allow it to be sullied. Be mindful. Your name means everything. Follow up your commitments. Your word is your bond. A good reputation is much more valuable than money. And I think we'll find that in the Bible as well, when it talks about um, the character of a good woman being much more important than rubies. I don't know about you, but I think it's getting a little tougher. I think it will get a little tougher in the world that we're in now and, and heading towards to be able to always have people get a real sense of who we are because of things like social media and misinformation. So it's easy on the one hand to portray and on the other to be portrayed as we're not. And hence, reputation can be really quite removed from the real thing uh, in the world. And I think if you think about it, you can see that to be true for a lot of public figures. Um, I think the younger generation talks about um, followers and influencers. And sometimes the people that they think they are following aren't quite like who they are in real life, but is this persona that's been created out there. So once I said, I kind of like what Abraham Lincoln was saying about the tree and the shadow and getting closer to the tree being the real thing. I think I like the fact that God, if we were to use the tree analogy, goes to the roots, that which causes the tree to grow and gives it its bearing. God's concerned about the heart. He knows that we're flawed people. Um, and he's more concerned about the condition of the heart. In fact, the Bible says, and it's full of pointers, whether it's in Proverbs 4.23, Matthew 15.18, Luke 7.21, to name a few. And even in our recent readings on Mark chapter 7.21, they're all in one way or the other say, guard your heart with all due diligence, with all diligence. For from it flows the springs of life. And so when we talk about character, what I have found and what the Bible tells me is what's really most important is the condition of my heart and that that is what I should guard. So what or who informs character? So conventional wisdom would have us understand that character is largely informed through relationships, experiences, beliefs, uh, in fact, even DNA. And I guess that's why we have these sayings, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, you're a product of your environment, 
And again, the counsel that I got when I was, uh, again, growing up in, in business was, be careful the company that you keep. First Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I don't know about you, but we don't always get to choose our colleagues. Uh, you walk into a company, you may be lucky as a manager and get to choose one or two colleagues, but you don't get to choose all your colleagues. But when you're working in an organization, there's some level of assurance that you all subscribe to the values of the company. But what I also found is that there's definitely differences between how we express ourselves outside of the boundaries of the values of the company. And in some cases, even within the boundaries of the values of the company. So let me give you um, a recent uh, example. Somebody got employed just before COVID and spent most of their time interacting with colleagues in the company online. But their home situation was largely in a Christian setting. And so, you, you know, you, you get a sense of what the company's based upon its values, and then most of your interactions with people are quite formal, in a set agenda, online, and then you're going offline. On one of the first days, the person was back at the office. They were around the coffee station, and they were shocked by the type of language people had in casual conversation, and some of the nastiness that was just being expressed about other colleagues. And it immediately dawned on them that this wasn't quite what they were expecting from their colleagues. But this is who people are. Sadly, this is the real world. And particularly in corporate life, I found that as I try to navigate the corporate world and the workplace, I had to be reminded that. If this is not a Christian setting that, you know, we might find foul language. We might find people saying things that we would think, oh, that's really untoward. Even though we had these company value, we have this company value research. So I worked in a tobacco company. Um, it was largely male dominated for many, many years. And. So you can imagine what that might have felt like. Um, perhaps no different to some of the other companies. But when I later became a Christian, I had to hold on to the fact that God says to us, be in the world, but not of this world. And as Romans 12, 2 says, don't be transformed by it. But, but that's not with sort of blissful naivety. Um, or in an unguarded or in an unarmed way, I realized that I needed to take some practical steps to understand what that also meant. To me, one of the things was to set some boundaries, particularly around social settings at work. You know, for starters, I had stopped drinking. And so um, I had had an issue with ill discipline around alcohol. And by the grace of God, I was able to let that go. And so that was that helped me be able to set boundaries 
when we were in a social setting to know when it was time to go, to be a little sober-minded when I was around my colleagues and to be able to have a better chance of a grasp of my conduct uh, within those settings, as an example. But more importantly, I prayed. I always asked for God's protection and for the Holy Spirit's guidance. And I spent a lot of time trying to be built up spiritually, uh, particularly outside of the office, being in fellowship with Christian brothers and sisters. My church life was important. My prayer life was important. My Bible study was important. Really discerning what God wanted from me and seeking to please him. I think in simple terms, what I was trying to do was to ensure that as I chose God, I wanted God to be the most influence over my character as opposed to what could possibly happen, which I didn't like in the workplace. Because the workplace is the real world and it's not always a Christian setting. Now, some of you might get to work in Christian settings and that might feel a lot different to a secular setting. Or you might say, in some cases, it doesn't, because we're all human. I love the fact that all in Galatians 5, recognize that this is not all about everybody else likely to cause us to stumble, but that this is also about us. And so if you look at Galatians 5, and let's read that. I'm going to ask David to put it up on the screen from verse 16, because there's quite a lot there that is said there. So it says, so I tell you, live the way the Spirit leads you. Then you will not do the evil things that your sinful self wants. The sinful self wants what is against the spirit, and the spirit wants what is against the sinful self. They are always fighting against each other so that you don't do what you really want to do. But if you let the spirit lead you, you are not under law. The wrong things that the sinful self does are clear committing sexual sin, being morally bad, doing all kinds of shameful things, worshiping false gods, taking part in witchcraft, hating people, causing trouble being jealous, angry or selfish, causing people to argue and divide into separate groups, being filled with envy, getting drunk, having wild parties, and doing other things like this. I warn you now as I warned you before, the people who do these things will not have a part in God's kingdom. But the fruit that the Spirit produces in a person's life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these kinds of things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucif have crucified their sinful self. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things that they wanted to do. We get our new life from the Spirit, so we should follow the Spirit. We must not feel proud and boast about ourselves. We must not cause trouble for each other or be jealous of each other. So, if character is also 
about experiences. What I recognized I became a Christian in business was I could have a different outlook on the experiences that I encountered, whether good or bad. And part of that was about leaning on God's promises and what he says about the things that I would experience. So firstly, I would always look at anything that was coming at me was, this is where God wants me to be right now. And I would ask myself the question, so am I living out God's purpose in where he has placed me right now, rather than getting all wrapped up in what I'm experiencing? I try and remind myself, walk humbly, but also confidently, because recognizing God's not going to let any harm come upon me. It says no weapon fashioned against you will prosper. And sometimes, you know, when the work would feel really, really heavy, I kind of get on with it because God knows exactly how much I can bear. And ultimately, no matter how bad it looked, and there would be times I wouldn't understand what was going on, I would hold on to the promise that God wants everything that is happening to me to ultimately be for my good. This is God's plan. He knows better. And he does want it to be ultimately for my good. And so that was the kind of context that I would hold on to within the turbulence of everything else that I was experiencing. And so these experiences weren't about, oh, look, woe, woe behold me. You know, look what's happening to me. It was always with a, I understand God has the master plan. He's placed me here. Let me focus on living out his purpose. There's nothing that's going to phase me. Um, he's got me. Let me try and put a, a little bit of a wrapper around character as I move into leadership. I hope I don't step on some political toes. I like to watch politics, particularly in the United Kingdom and in the US. I don't get to vote in any of these two countries, so I don't really have a deeply vested interest. So apologies, folks. I know in church people don't like to talk about politics, but I'm an observer. Um, a very well-known US TV, the guy called Van Jones, was on CNN, and he was being asked what it meant to him when Joe Biden was voted in as president of the US in the recent elections. And Van Jones, with tears streaming down his eyes across his face, said, you know, it's an easier day to, to be a dad, to tell my children that character matters, that telling the truth matters, that being a good person matters. And that kind of sat with me. It kind of struck me that we want to be led by good people, good, good honest people. And if they're competent at that as well, then we feel like we've really won. And for, for him, this was an expression of the type of leadership that he was looking for 
that he could go home and say, it's not through nefarious means or devious means that people get to lead, but that good, honest people, and the way that he viewed Joe Biden, also get to lead, that it's a good day, the truth matters. But I'll build a little on whether character matters or not. But may maybe let me come to the United Kingdom. Some will say, because I've read about it, that perhaps Joris Boris's failing has actually been about his character. And if so, then it just reinforces the fact that character matters as we go into this conversation about leadership. Let me pause it, and I think some of you might have heard me say this, so for those who've heard me say this before, uh, this is repetition. How about the notion that we all are leaders? If you thought, well, this is going to be a discussion about leadership, and that's not me, because maybe I'm still in school, um, maybe I spend most of my time at home, um, I'm not in the corporate world. How about we posit the notion that we all are leaders? So. Depending on who's saying it, you might feel like, oh, that sounds like a cop-up. If my leader's telling me that we all are leaders, perhaps they're not wanting to lead. Perhaps they're just trying to split, spread the blame liberally, you know, like I might do peanut butter on my sandwich. Or maybe it's a platitude. They're just all wanting, they're wanting us to feel good and feel important. I first heard this notion when I, my then colleague, the HR director, said, there's going to be new leadership language in the organization, and we're going to be talking about everyone is a leader. And I thought, shoot, it took me over 20 years to get to this place in the organization. I think I'm at the pinnacle of my career. And now you tell me we're not the leaders, that everybody else is leaders, that we all are leaders. I wish you told me that a long time ago. I might not have aspired to this level. But in all seriousness, hold the notion that we all are leaders, and then see this, the most succinct definition I ever got or have seen of leadership boils down to one word, influence. And you might say, yes, leadership is more than influence, and yes, it's about competence, and it's, it's about it. But I think ultimately it all comes down to one thing, influence. Leadership is influence. So then let's come back to this notion of we're all our leaders. Think of your relationships as a friend, mother, father, sibling, colleague, all the multitudes of relationships that you have. And let me ask you if in some, if not all, who you are in those relationships to others matters to them and that through your opinions your actions you get to exercise some influence with those in your relationship networks to one degree or the other and then let me say that when you're influencing people you're exercising leadership in one way or the other In Sterling, where we live, there's this lovely park not too far from where we are. And we did do and I try and walk on most days. And one part of the park, there's a children's playground. 
And the other day we were walking past it and we caught ourselves talking about the parents that were playing with their children. And we thought, what an awesome responsibility and privilege it is to have children for those who do. But we're thinking, we immediately got thinking about how we've handled, and we're still parents, our children haven't gone away, but how we'd handled parenthood when our children were small. And I was particularly thinking, how present was I? Because I was incredibly busy. And, and whether we had truly understood the gift of leadership in parenting our children, or whether it just seemed like a blur and year just went after year after year after year after year. I, I think my wife did a tremendous job. And if, and if uh, our two boys had any flaws, I think I'm largely blamed. But by the grace of God so far, they look like they're reasonably well-functioning young men. But I really looked at those parents on that playground at that moment as having an opportunity to influence their children, which they do in many different settings, but it caused me to think about how I might have understood that role as a form of leadership over the children that God had blessed me. And you can think about leadership in many different circumstances. So true, we're all given the responsibility to exercise leadership over people in different ways, some as presidents, prime ministers, CEOs, school teachers, community leaders, and so forth. But what I really want to say is, for me, character matters because we get to influence people and never see ourselves as just ordinary. God has caused us to lead in the world, in the place that we're in. And it's an awesome opportunity and privilege. I think first uh, Corinthians 12, 12 says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. And I just think about church, I think about communities and I see that we all have a role to play in the leadership of, in the case of our church, of our church. And that it's not just those who sit, be it in the church, uh, leadership uh, as we call it, but that we're all called to do that. So perhaps I have convinced some people that we all lead. Look where God has placed you to do that. Your character matters because you get to exercise influence over this. Um, should Christian leadership be different to conventional leadership? In the earlier part of my career, I remember reflecting on how hard it appeared to me to be able to identify those leaders in my company who'd, who were openly, who could I could openly identify as Christian. I, I knew there were great men and women. That's how they got there. But sometimes, occasionally, I'd see some, some things that just looked like they were not Christ-like behavior. Sure, I was in the secular corporate world. It wasn't a Christian organization. And yeah, it might sound a little judgmental because I know we're all fallible, but perhaps I was looking for something clearer. Is Are there Christian leaders somewhere in our business up there 
um, if only to tell me that they did exist or that it was actually okay to be a Christian in business, in leadership, and perhaps to be unashamed of it. Perhaps I was looking for a role model. Well, not long after that, I heard that there was a CEO who had been mentored uh, at one of our business units. Um, he ran a multitude of mining companies underneath him, and he was an amazing professional. Everybody spoke of just how good he was. But interestingly, every time his name came out, he also said that he was a Christian. You see, what this guy had done is, amongst a whole bunch of things, and people were saying it was wonderful to work with him, and they were really starting to enjoy working. Amongst some of the things that he had done, he set up a Bible study. And he said, I'm going to have a Bible study on Friday morning. Anybody in the company who was in the corporate office, anybody who wants to come, come along. And most weeks he would facilitate it. It was voluntary, of course. Um, most Fridays when he was around, he'd facilitate it. And if not, others would facilitate it. But that was an outward expression of, hey, guys, this is who I am. And... Apart from being a great professional, it started to be very interesting to me that here was this association with the fact that he was Christian. So many years later, 2003, I got appointed for the very first time to the board of a company. Um, I was the first, first, first Black African to the board. We notice these things when it hasn't happened. Um, everybody notices it. And there were a lot of people who were happy for me. And apart from all the huge expectations of go and do well, I guess some saw this as a pathway of what was possible in the company for this ethnic group. So I felt a wonderful privilege and a responsibility, not only as a professional, but also as a representative of this ethnic group of trying to show that, yes, it's possible and that we could do well. But a little later on, I became a Christian, and I now had this added responsibility of, so what does what should it look like for my leadership as a Christian? I knew it had to be different, but I was trying to figure out, so what would it look like for me? So let me talk about some things which might help to differentiate certainly how I experienced what was then my conventional leadership versus what I thought should be Christian leadership in the way I was trying to portray it. Give God the glory. So who takes the credit? When secular when leaders do well in general, they get praised, and rightly so. You know, Christian or non-Christian, I think we all like to be told we're doing well. We love some information from time to time. But I think the clear thing for me was, one, I hadn't gotten to where I had gotten to without God. And I can assure you that I stayed on my knees to be able to do my work. And so I was praying for God's daily mercies to help carry me through in this place that he had put me. Now, there's a book, there's a leadership book. I'm not really knocking, perhaps I am. It says, what got you here? 
is not what's not going to get you there. But I'd, offer, I'd like to offer you as Christians that he who got me there was going to get me to wherever I was supposed to be. And that's what I knew. So I reflected back on the CEO who used to run this mining company. And I thought, wasn't it awesome that every time his name and his brilliance came up, there was this association with God. And so in Galatians, looking back at that passage that we just read in chapter 526, it says, we must not feel proud and boast about ourselves. As poet and civil rights activist in the U.S. said, at least it's being attributed to her, that people will forget what you said. People might even forget what you did. But people never forget how you made them feel. And so let's go one step further and say that our Christian leadership should point people not to talking about how great we are, but being curious about who causes us to be who we are, about God. And so Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God gets the credit and not us. Work professionally um, and, and work as though we're doing it for him. There's another book that says, lead like it matters to God. I, I find it easy, relatively easy to fall into the trap of wanting to be successful, that you want to please people, whether it's your bosses, your customers, and you really get wrapped up in what other people think. And sure, you know, this is part of the work dynamic. But what I found was incredibly liberating and freeing was recognizing that I'm here to do my work where God has placed me for the glory of God and to please Him. And that I should be less concerned about Anne and Sally and Joe, but I really should be concerned about whether God would be pleased by the work that I am doing in the place that he has put me. And I found that that started to free me of how of some of the corporate politics or how I would experience them, because this wasn't about how, what you thought about me. This is what God would think about me in the place that he placed me. So Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. What I received as a consequence of leading as a Christian in business was peace. You know, our character reveals itself under pressure, and sometimes it just doesn't look good. In fact, one of the things that our company would do is, in, on its leadership development program, would be put us under a tremendous amount of stress and pressure um, that take, take us away for two weeks, give us very little sleep, give us tremendous responsibilities, and they would want to just see how we reacted. 
And I can tell you at times it just wouldn't look pretty. And they would say, so this is the person that you need to understand you can be, especially when it's not all cool, calm and collected. And this is part of the character, the leadership character that you need to hone. In fact, somebody said, um, it's not always a thing, but it's worth sharing that sometimes you don't know a person, or in fact, sometimes you don't know a friend until they don't get what they want. And sometimes that's true of us as well in leadership. When we're not getting our way, that could kind of look pretty ugly. Um, what God did for me in my years of in immense pressure and challenge was give me peace. And so this wasn't about not getting jittery, for example, before a big presentation or what have you. It was about security. That was the peace. That notwithstanding the challenges that I faced, I never really felt threatened. And I can only attribute it to God assuring me that my security was within, was with him and within him. And so I found I got peace in all of this turbulence. Like Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, tell your request to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The other thing that I received as being a Christian in business leadership, or that was my context, yours could be different, was, you know, there's this saying every day these days that the world is changing. Everything is changing rapidly, and a lot of it has got to do with technology. In fact, the other day I was asked to give some advice to some strategic leaders, or what advice I'd give strategic leaders in an ever-changing world. And I said, well, you know, try and anticipate change. So when there's a whole bunch of tools to be able to do that, lead that change when it's to your advantage, and um, follow fast if you know you're in a competitive space and follow fast with improvements. But importantly, have your teams be able to change by building trust and investing in their competence and confidence and so on. But as Christian leaders, whilst everybody tells us about this changing world, the difference between conventional leadership and Christian leaders, leadership is that as Christian leaders, we get to get a constant in this ever-changing world. And that constant is God. And that constant is his promises. Now, how about that? How about actually feeling that you are anchored rather than you are swirling in a washing machine of change and have absolutely nothing to hold on to? What we get to get whilst the world spins is a constant, an ever unchanging God whose promises are true. And what that gets to do for, certainly did for me was give me security and to know where my foundation is. And that's bankable. Let me finish on um, the fruits of the spirit and character, bringing it back to leadership. So our leadership should look different. Leaders, people should feel 
like there is something different about working with John, James, Jack, and what have you. And I said, yes, it should point to God. The Bible talks about the spirits of the fruit, different them, joy, peace, etc. And notwithstanding all the self-help leadership books that we get to read, I did say one of the best leadership books is the Bible. But how about this? You know, so as a leader, I would be told these are the things I need to work on. And I would go away and try and work on them with other people, either with myself, with my colleagues, with my mentors, with my line manager. But God said, I'll send you a helper. And he gave us the Holy Spirit. And that as a consequence of the Holy Spirit in us, we get to exhibit more and more of the fruits of the Spirit. Isn't that just awesome? That we get to have part of the Trinity be our helper and not just get told what we need to fix. God gave us a helper as well. And so in my infallibility, etc., I just always knew I wasn't alone. Lord, as you want me to be better, may the Holy Spirit guide me. Lord, as I interact with people, as I lead in this setting, may the Holy Spirit give me wisdom. So should our leadership be different to conventional leadership? Yes. Most importantly, we get a helper to help us do that. We get to know that we have a constant whilst everything changes. We get to get some peace in the midst of all of these changes. We get to not be worried about people if we remain fixated on the cross and knowing that he who placed us here is the one we are to please and will determine where we will go to. And it will Our character matters. We get it to be shaped by a whole host of things. But importantly, God helps us shape a godly character. As we seek him, spend time in his word, build each other spiritually, we get to be in the world, but not of it, not to be transformed by it. And hopefully when people interact with us and they end up feeling good about something that they saw in us, it's not just our name that comes up, but it is, oh, I'm curious. Why is that person the way that they are? They may always point to God. 